Good morning, Good News Church. My name is Patrick Millen. Um, if you could please rise for the reading of God's Word. We will be reading from Luke 6, 27 and 42. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do unto you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect payment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they both not fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Patrick. And boy, it's nice to have a young man up here who reads the word of God, who's praying, seeking the word of God. And I'll just throw this out. He's single. Just want to throw that out there. Okay. You know, just want to throw that out there. Okay. Um, you know, last week there were some points that Pastor Walt talked about. And there's one point that I just want to start us off with in just a moment. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we need you today. We need your Holy Spirit to come and talk and speak and heal and restore. Lord, we just need you to come and do your work. God, I pray that you would be glorified in all that's said today, God. God, hide me behind the cross. Let the people see the great Jesus that you are so that your name would be glorified in what's said today. And everybody said, amen. Well, one thing that Pastor Walsh said that I thought that was very powerful to me that really spoke to me was this. He says, Peter's faith started off as small as a pebble, but later his faith would be that of a rock. And today I'm praying that at the end of of sharing today, that maybe your faith will be as strong as a rock. But you're going to have to you're going to have to rely on God and you got to listen to his voice today. Um, Let's put up the first slide. Okay. Yeah. Tightwad. I was coming, my family and I were coming from, uh, uh, the Ozarks 
And as we were coming through the Ozarks, there was a small town, and we saw this sign, and I told my wife, hey, take a picture of that. And it said Tightwad, population 69. So there's a Tightwad fire station. There's a Tightwad store. There's a Tightwad bank. Imagine trying to get a loan at the Tightwad bank. And, and there's 69 people there. And I'm laughing at this, but my point is this. When we saw this, our first perspective was everybody, all 69 people, must be tightwads, right? And sometimes that's what we do when we see or we hear or, or, or our perception of some, somebody or some place. We look at somebody and all of a sudden we judge them. It's an easy way to do. It's an easy judge. I'm just as guilty. I do it also. And I believe in our scripture that we're going to go over today, Jesus is saying, you know what? Stop judging. Because God made us all so uniquely different. And he wants to use us all for his glory. But in the midst of that, there's things that God wants to work on. So as we're coming together with all kinds of different believers from all different places, let's stop judging. Let's love as Jesus loved. Can I get a good news? Amen. And today in our message that he just read, that Patrick just read, Patrick was really saying, Jesus was really saying this, and I really want you to gather all of this, okay? Jesus was saying that he is the teacher today. So the teacher has come in the book of Luke, and he's saying, I'm the teacher, and today in this auditorium at Good News Church, he's saying, I need you to be the student. You see, because I've got something very powerful to say today, Jesus is saying. And in that, and in that breakdown in the NIV version for that scripture, which is where I, what I study off of, the word you is used 30 times. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, you in the balcony, Hey, you on the main floor to the left, to the middle, and to the right. I've got something to say that is totally different from what you've ever heard. And as we've been talking about this upside-down kingdom, our perspective is this. There's the kingdom of this world, and then there's God's kingdom. And in the kingdom of this world, as we stay in it long enough, we sometimes start acting like the kingdom of this world. And Jesus is saying, whoa, stop, hold on. My kingdom is totally different. My kingdom is totally tipped upside down from what your perspective is. And when my kingdom comes and when I talk to you about my kingdom, I want you as a student to follow what I have done. And so Jesus says, love and to forgive your enemy. That's a powerful statement. I've got probably six physicians right now in our family line, our family tree. And they will tell you that if you go to them for an ailment or for an ailment, whatever it may be, you know, they may give you a prescription, you know, to go to the pharmacist to take a pill once a day for 30 days, whatever. They may tell you to lift your feet up and get some rest, drink a lot of fluids. If you got a really good doctor, he might give you a few days off with pay. You know, when he signs it, you're supposed to laugh. Okay. But in the, in the just of that, the physicians have always looked to see what the problem was. And today Jesus is saying, I am your teacher and I've got this prescription to how to help you to love your enemies. How can you love an enemy that has hurt you so deeply? How can you love a brother that has forsaken you? How can you love a sister that maybe has said something? How can you love a mother or a father who has abandoned you? 
How can you forgive and love a person maybe that has been abused or raped even? We're going to get a little raw today. Is that okay? But how can we forgive someone like that? And Jesus is saying, love and forgive your enemy. And he's not only saying enemy, he's saying enemies. We're not only going to have one, we're going to have many. Can we put the first scripture up? So Jesus is basically saying, woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must be that offenses will come, but woe to the man that offends. So what he's saying is this. Offenses are going to come, brothers and sisters. If you're a believer in Christ or are not a believer in Christ, offenses will come. The question is, what will you do with those offenses? Maybe your response today is, you know what? Jesus didn't go through what I went through. He doesn't understand what this person did to me, what this person backstabbed me, you know, how bad this person has treated me. Jesus has never been there. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. And I'm here to tell you today that Jesus understands. Jesus fully understands for he was innocent and he was lied on. Anybody been lied on? Come on, raise your hand today. Anybody been lied on? He was beaten. Anybody been beaten down with words of discouragement, words of lies? Anybody in here? Other than me, am I the only one in the house? And he basically says, I, that was done to me even unto death so that we who are guilty of our sins could be forgiven. Everybody say forgiven. We've all been forgiven of our sins. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Now I need you as a student of the kingdom. I need you now to understand that I've done that. Now you must do it. He's saying, follow me to this place of forgiveness. And it may not be easy. It might be a starting point for you today. But he's saying, you can trust me if you do that. And I believe that Peter understood this upside down kingdom that we've been talking about. I think Peter, as Pastor Walt shared last week, he started as a pebble. And he ended up as a rock. But Peter went through a lot of stuff to get to be a rock. And once you're a rock from a boulder to a rock, you're pretty strong. It's hard to break you. But Peter, I believe, understood this upside down kingdom to the point that he said, I don't even want to be crucified straight up. I want to be crucified upside down. I believe Peter understood this upside down kingdom. I think Peter understood that there's the kingdom of this world and then there's the kingdom of God. And Peter said, I would rather be crucified and die Upside down, because, my, because God's kingdom is totally different from the kingdom of this world. I think Peter fully understood that, even unto death. So our perspective today must be with that of the student. Let's go to the next scripture. Mark eight thirty one. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer. Anybody suffered? Come on, anybody suffered in here today? We're going to get real. It's okay to raise your hands. And that he said, he said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected. Anybody been rejected? Come on in your family, at work, with your friends, with your neighbors. He says by the elders, by the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days, he's going to rise again. And here's the exciting part about it again. We just got done taking communion this morning. Was that awesome? But let me tell you something. In that communion, Jesus is saying, you're making this unbelievable covenant with me of trusting me. And he's saying in that, on the third day, I rose again. And he rose again with resurrection power. Everybody say resurrection power. And that resurrection power now lives in you. 
And that resurrection power is what Jesus is talking about when he says, you can love and forgive your enemy. Why? Because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You can't do it yourself. It's impossible. But the resurrection power of Jesus can. That's why I love having communion. I just feel like jumping out of my skin sometimes. Because of what he did for me. And because I know of what he can do in my future. Our sin was horrible. And Jesus died a horrible death. They didn't hold back on his death. And it was brutal. They said the Roman law was that, uh, was that Jesus would be beaten countless times. But the law with the Jews was that he'd only be beaten 39 times. But Jesus was crucified under the Roman law. Where pieces, where when he was whipped, pieces were shattered from his back. Like a farmer's plowing the field. Our sin was horrible. Can we go on to the next scripture? Isaiah 52, 14. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and form marred beyond human likeness because of our sin and because he forgave us. And likewise, he's saying, I want you to forgive those who have forgiven you. Next scripture. Luke 23, 34 says, even after all of that, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Everybody say, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Next scripture. John 15, 13 says this, greater love, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend, or in this case, for us as a student. Jesus says, the teacher says, I've laid my life down. I've taken care of this sin. And he goes, now I'm, now I'm trusting you to walk with me. And there were other students that followed him. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen then began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, talking about the kingdom, all of a sudden they began to stone him. And Peter and, and, and Stephen began to get stoned. But at the end of it, this is what, what, this is what he says. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he was done, he fell asleep. And Stephen understood that a characteristic of the kingdom was forgiving your enemy. Let me tell you the other thing. Even though it cost him his life, he understood that it was no longer his life to give, but to forgive. It was no longer his life. And sometimes in this life, as a believer, as a Christian of Jesus Christ, we look at him and say, hey, it's all about me. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about his love for you. It's about him wanting to get the glory out of your life. That's what this kingdom is all about. And that's why when we talk about the world's kingdom and we talk about the kingdom of God, it's totally different. There were some years ago, I was with a group called Morningstar Ministries and we were a Christian rock band. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I played bass guitar. And there were uh, three single guys, myself and two other guys. There was my sister and her husband and my little niece, Chanel. And uh, we did bookings all around the country. And um, we went to a place called Sterling, Colorado. I'm not condemning Sterling, Colorado. I'm just telling you what happened there. And um, we were going to do our ministry on a Sunday. Normally, we would get there on a Saturday. And then they would put us up in a church or they would put us up in a hotel. 
Well, we got there on a Friday, so we're a day early. So we thought, well, we don't want to put any pressure on the church, so let's camp out. And we've done that before. So we had this really nice van. It was like two captain seats in the front, two in the middle, a small little fridge, kind of the kind that they have at the dorms, right? And it had a long couch, and the couch could pull out into a bed. So that's where my sister, my um, my brother-in-law, and my little niece Chanel slept. And the three guys, we had a pop-up light blue tent, right? So we pitched our tent. We got the, to the park at Sterling, Colorado. And there's baseball and softball games going on. And we started walking around. And, you know, we watched some of the softball, some of the baseball games. Uh, and then we started to cook dinner. And I remember there's a single dad there with a single son. And we invited him over for dinner. And they sat down and we told him a little bit about, about who we were and shared, the, shared about Jesus. And about 1 o'clock in the morning... Myself, Daryl, and Terry Cobbs were in this tent. And all of a sudden, there was one road in and one road out. One dirt road. And all of a sudden, at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, all of these vehicles come hauling down this road. And they're yelling all these racial slurs, the N-word. They're yelling, KKK. I had never been confronted with this before in my life. They started yelling all these racial things. And all of a sudden, it was like, if this were our tent... All of their vehicles began to circle our tent like this with their headlights on it so they could see through our tent, this light blue tent. And we sat there and we realized they started to get out of their vehicles yelling these words. We could see their figures coming out of the vehicles. The lights were shining on them. It was almost just a figure coming at us. And we were in that tent. We said, we're going to have to throw down today. We are going to have to fight for our lives. And as some of you know from last, last, last time that I shared, I had never been in a fight before, but, you know, I was ready to fight, whatever it took. And they came toward our tent, and we got out, and they started swinging, and I, we started swinging. And I don't know how many times I got hit. I don't know how many times they got hit, because when you're fighting for your life, the adrenaline just flows when you're scared. And, and all of a sudden... Um, as we were fighting, fighting around, I remember looking over to the van and there were people over there trying to tip the van over that my brother-in-law, my sister, and my niece were in. And so what we did is we finally got to the point where I think we started getting the better licks on some of these individuals. They got in their vehicles and they started yelling, we're coming back to finish this. We're coming back to finish this. So after we got done with this, we ran over to the van. We opened the door. My sister's upset and the little two-year-old's upset. And we were mad. How could I forgive somebody who just did that? I was pretty fired up. Matter of fact, we were ready to fight. We, put, we, put, we took the tent. We put the tent in the van. And just before we left, and this is not an indictment on police officers, because most police officers are friends of mine, but I'm just going to tell you what happened in this situation. As we were getting ready to leave, a police officer comes driving down this road. Their vehicles are still going up this one road. We could see the back of their lights with the smoke going everywhere. And we told the officer, hey, we were just assaulted. Those are the vehicles. You need to go get those guys. And he looked at us and said, I didn't see anything. So we got in our vans and we're fired up. And we're like, let's go find these guys. Now, here we were supposed to be praying in a city, and now we're going to go lay hands on people, right? So probably not a good thing to do. But we were mad. And see, because when the flesh takes over and you are scared, you want to defend and you want to get even. 
So how can Jesus be telling me to love my enemy after all that happened? After the N-word and saying, I'm coming back after you, and I'm in the KKK, how do I then forgive my enemy for that? But we got in our van, and we were looking around town for these guys, and we couldn't find them. And finally, we decided to park our vehicle in the parking lot of the church that we were going to minister at. So now it's Saturday morning, and we're parked there, and we're all talking about, we don't owe this town a thing. We need to get out of here. We need to go home. This is not worth it. And after the flesh got done, the spirit showed up. Things started to settle down a little bit. And then we went right to where the heart of the matter is with our ministry. We began to pray. God, what do we do? And let me tell you what, it wasn't one of those super humbles like, God, what do we do? And in one, one hand, we had the key on the ignition ready to go in reverse and get out of there. But God said, you know what? He spoke to our heart and he says, you forgive. And I remember there was an argument. I'm not going to forgive. I can't forgive. So we sat there in that vehicle. And after a period of time, the spirit of God won. And love came down. And here's what we said. We are going to share the gospel to this church in Sterling, Colorado. We are going to sing every song we've ever created. We're going to hit every note right. We are going to pray for people. We're going to do the best altar call ever. We're going to share the gospel like it's never been, never been shared before. And that's what we did in Sterling, Colorado. So how do you forgive? It's pretty tough. When you're cut deep to the core of your heart, when somebody has offended you, how do you forgive? Well, I'm here to tell you today, you can't do it on your own. We couldn't do it on our own in that van, and you can't do it on your own in this life. See, because in this upside-down kingdom, Jesus is saying, you must forgive and love your enemy. And later he says this. This is so upside-down. Later Jesus says, and you can bless them. And what we did by sharing the gospel in Sterling, Colorado was we blessed them. We decided we were not going to give up. And you know what? You guys have all heard the story in John 8, 1, 11 with the woman who was an adulteress. And Jesus is sitting down there and he's riding on the dirt. And, and first of all, he's preaching the gospel. He's sharing. And these Pharisees bring this woman in who's an adulteress. And these Pharisees say, say to Jesus, hey, I'm going to put you We're going to put him to the test. Hey, Jesus. The law of Moses says this woman should be stoned, but she's an adulteress. So what are we going to do? What do you think, Jesus? Now, I'm thinking more about this woman. What is she thinking? How scared must she must have been being dragged with these men, and they've all got stones ready to stone her? Can you imagine the fear? And Jesus is still riding into the ground. And Jesus says this. He says, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. You who are without sin, you cast the first stone. You who cannot forgive the person who has hurt you today. He says, you cast the first stone. But Jesus began to write on the ground. And then it's amazing because it says those that are older began to drop the rocks. It's amazing because those of us that are a little bit older, we've been around a lot of sin. Right? It was an easy drop. And then later the rest of them dropped their rocks. And then Jesus looks up and he says, they haven't condemned you, neither do I. He says, your sins have been forgiven. Go.
But let me share this with you. I'm wondering what Jesus was writing in the dirt. That's what I want to know. When I get to heaven, I'm like, Jesus, what were you writing in the dirt? What was going on there? And everybody's got a commentary. So can Terry Brown have a commentary for a second? All right. Is that cool, Pastor Raphael? I got a commentary. (laughs) Okay. Here's my commentary. Listen to me. Once upon a time, there was this woman who was never really loved by anyone. She made a lot of mistakes and bad decisions. Anybody here made bad mistakes or, or bad decisions? And everyone treated her like the enemy or an outcast. They thought for sure this was the day that she was going to die. As they surrounded her with stones in their hands. Pause. But grace showed up today and she is forgiven. So with your enemies, with the ones that you're saying, I cannot love, I cannot forgive my enemy. Grace wants to show up in them. Grace wants to show up today. Matthew 18, 21 through 35, you've got the reading of uh, Peter. Peter goes to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, how many times should I forgive them? Now, Peter got pretty smart around this time. He's been around Jesus for a while. Because the law said you forgive three times. But Peter kind of answered his own question thinking, I guess I'm going to show Jesus what I got. And he goes, seven times? So Jesus doubled the amount of time and added one. What does Jesus say? No, 70 times seven. 70 times seven is what we must do, brothers and sisters. And Jesus goes on to tell the story about a king. And this king had had some debtors. And the first debtor owed him a lot of money. And the debtor came. And the debtor begged for forgiveness. And the king said, you know what? All of your debt is forgiven. All of your debt's forgiven. And then that same person whose debt was forgiven now had another individual that owed him even less than what he owed the king. And this person goes to this person and he goes, hey, you owe me money to the point that he grabbed this person and started to choke him. I want my money back. And then he threw him in prison. And then the Bible says that the other servants saw what was done, which was wrong. And they went to the king. And then the king called this individual in and said, hey, what are you doing? I forgave you your debt, but you're not willing to give somebody else their debt. So you're willing to forgive your debt. Jesus is willing to forgive our debt, but we're not willing to forgive somebody else's debt. That's what he's saying. And Jesus, or it goes on to say that the king put him in prison. Here's the key. Here's what Jesus sees in all of us. You have to separate the action from the person. We were sinful. Action. He wanted us free and he wanted this relationship. Person. Action. Person. The sin from the person. That's how we have to live. And the reason why maybe I'm a little fired up today is because this is personal to me. This whole message is personal. Not just Sterling, Colorado. But if we're going to love people like God says to do it in this upside down kingdom and not the kingdom of this world that says, I will give judgment myself. Because, you, because if you've got to separate the action from the person, because Jesus wants to get to the heart of the person. He got to your heart. Why wouldn't he want to get to their heart? Can we put this picture up?
This is a picture of uh, my little granddaughter. She was, um, and some of you know the story, some don't, but I'm just going to share this because I'm going to share with you kind of where we're at right now. But um, about a year and a half ago, she was taken away from us. Uh, a man murdered her. And, um, you know, I, I remember when we got the phone call and, you know, and it was just unbearable. I mean, just, you know, one day she was over, you know, having dinner and the next day she's gone. And, you know, not even know she was going to live. And I remember the pastors came up there and other leaders and, you know, we prayed and, um, you know, and this person just did a brutal murder to her. You know, it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was smothering her and then throwing her into a wall and then putting her in a bath of water. It was, it was brutal. And so she's gone. How do I forgive that? How do I forgive that when my flesh says, I want to give justice. But Jesus is telling me something different. Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, it might be tough. But I'm telling you, this is the way of my kingdom. Terry, Cindy, you must love your enemy. You must love your enemy as I have loved you. You must forgive your enemy as I have forgiven you. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. This man's been put in prison for a long, long time. But, you know, in the last six, eight weeks, as I've been preparing for this sermon, I realized something. Cindy and I both realized something. We've got to forgive. We've got to forgive. Because the teacher, and I'm the student and he's saying, this is the way of my kingdom. And it might be quiet in here because you're thinking, in, in our world, that's not what I want. But Jesus is saying, hey, to all of you in Good News Church today, this is the way of my kingdom. And it might be tough. It may be hard. Maybe you're not ready to take those steps, but maybe you're ready to take a baby step like a one-year-old would begin to walk in forgiveness. But we decided we were going to forgive. And our prayer is this, how we're going to love him is we're going to pray that God sends somebody to that prison that he's at and that the, that the word of God is preached and that he, and that the Holy Spirit, that he's filled with the Holy Spirit and that there's a change. You know why? Because God's greatest desire is this. His greatest desire in each and every one of us is this. God wants to get the glory out of our lives. And the testing will come. The opposers will come. The oppression will come. The challenges will come. Death may come. But the question today, will we love and will we forgive? Romans 7.18 says this. In this flesh dwells no good thing. Terry Brown left alone is hideous. I'm like hamburger helper. You don't, I'm horrible. I'm just telling you the truth. And so are all of you. Okay, you left alone without the power of the Holy Spirit. You're a mess. But let me tell you what has empowered us to forgive this man. Next scripture. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I, Terry Brown, no longer live. 
But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. So it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. That resurrection power that happened on the third day now lives in Terry Brown to forgive this man for what he has done. And you too have that resurrection power. You too are filled, for those of you that are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's resurrection power in you to forgive the wrong that has been done to you. But the question today is, will you do that? Can I get a good news? Amen. Can I really get a good news? Amen. Billy Graham says this in a book entitled, Quotes. He says, it's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's my job to love. Second Corinthians 1 or 13, 8 says this. Love never fails. It also talks about all the gifts. And you know, you can have all those gifts if you want to have all the gifts. They're awesome. We need to have those gifts. But those gifts without love is nothing. It is nothing. It's just a gift. Because the Bible says after it says, love never fails. Everybody say that. Love never. It never fails. And when you've got that empowerment of God living through your life, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit, you're able to love someone regardless. You're able to love that son or daughter who has disappointed you, that mother or father who has maybe abused you or has said something to you, that worker who has maybe, you know, disgraced you and laughed at you and made a mockery of you. Maybe that relationship with a brother or sister that has never been mended. And today God is saying, you know what? Let's bring it into the house today. Let's bring it and let's see what God does in healing that relationship. You can decide not to forgive. But you saw the scripture earlier as Pat spoke. He says, can the blind lead the blind? Because if I were to close my eyes right now and I was to begin to walk, I would fall right off this edge. Can the blind lead the blind? No. And maybe, maybe it's your coworker, your brother, your sister. Maybe it's even somebody, someone of authority. Maybe it's someone in the church. Yes, I went there. We can go on and on, but only you know. You can keep digging into that hurt. You can keep digging into that womb and it will never heal. Can we put that next, the next picture up? This is President Garfield. He is the 20th president of the United States. And he was shot by an assassin's bullet. And the bullet went through his back into his stomach area. And back then they did not have x-rays to, in order to get the bullet out. So you know what they did? The doctors kept prodding into the wound, digging and digging. For three months they kept digging into the womb. And the womb would never heal. They just kept digging and prodding. And it's like that with us if we do not forgive those who have offended us. It'll be a wound that'll never heal. And later, uh, after the three-month period, he died. He died of an infection and pneumonia. And if you don't forgive those who have forgiven you, you know what you'll have? You'll have spiritual infection. It will infect your body. You'll never have any peace. You'll keep digging into that wound. But today Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, in my kingdom, the upside down kingdom that we've been talking about in Luke, you can come and I have empowered you to forgive. You know, this sermon has wrecked me the last six weeks. It really has. The more I've chewed on it, the harder it's gotten. I told my wife last night, 
I'll be glad when today's over with. <laughs> you know, because it got real personal. About 2.30 in the morning, a few weeks ago, I, I, know, I know my father's voice. And he seems to wake me up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I think it was a week ago I was awakened and I said, Lord, do you know what time it is? It's like 3 o'clock. And here's what the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, Terry, do you believe the words in this message? Do you really believe the word in this message? And I said, Father, I got down on my knees out of my bed. And I said, Father, I believe it. And he says, you know what? Then I've got three people that you need to go to and ask for forgiveness. So I told my wife the next morning, I said, Cindy, God woke me up and he said, there are three people that I have not forgiven for an issue. And my first thought in my conversation with the Lord was like, two of them like have offended me. I don't want to go there. Are you kidding me? And Jesus just shared me, you know what? It's not always about you. It's about my kingdom. You need to do this. So I told my wife, I said, you know what? When I get back from, from church tomorrow, I'm going to call this person first and this person, this person. So I get home. I go through the garage. I open the door. The first person that I was supposed to call is in my house. Come on. Jesus, give a brother a break. Right? So the first person is in my house, and we talked. And, and this person talked about wanting to be reconciled and wanted forgiveness. And I asked them to forgive me. And, you know, there's cries and there are hugs, and we're praying together. And this person said, hey, can we go to lunch? And I said, yeah. And he says, let's, let's go tomorrow. So we met at Runza. So we go to Runza, and I had the Southwest salad with the jalapeno dressing. All right? And the reason why I'm telling you is this. is because when I sat down with that person, and we began to fellowship, and we began to eat together. It was the best Southwest salad I've ever eaten. Because the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is what? That he is good. And in that moment, things began to change. All because I took that step of faith. The other two people, one of them I left the numerous messages for, they haven't even returned my call. They even sent their wife a message. I even asked them in a text, forgive me. They haven't returned my call. That's okay. But you know what Jesus is saying? We've got to do our part. We've got to take our step and do our part. So I don't know what Jesus is speaking to you today. I don't know how Jesus is going to work your situation out today. But I do know this. I do know that he says that if we trust him and if we are students of the kingdom and he is our teacher and he's already sacrificed and he's been lied to and he's been, you know, trampled down and beaten that he's saying that if he can forgive us, then we can forgive others. Satan works in dark places. And healing comes when things are brought to the light. Let's put the last scripture up. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you what? What's that word? So you must love one another, he says. We don't have a choice. He says you must love them. Love and forgiveness will always win. It will always win. Regardless if you take the step or not, it will always win. It might take a day. It might take a week. It might take a month. It might take a year. It might take a lifetime. It might even take a funeral. But love never fails. God's love never fails. 
And I'm challenging you today. If you've got an issue with somebody that you have not forgiven them, you know who they are. And maybe it's many. God wants to do a work today. So today, close your eyes for a moment. His presence is here today. know what holds you today. I don't know what holds you back today. But Jesus wants to do a work today. The teacher wants to do a work today in the heart of the students today. And I don't know what your situation may be today. I know it sometimes it cuts deep to the core, deep to the bone, deep to the marrow just really hurts but this is Jesus' kingdom and this is how we work and he loves you and he wants to do a work today don't run out here and leave and so you can be the first person around God wants to do a work today we stand to your feet here's what I'm going to ask because some of these wounds are pretty tough. They're pretty tough to take. And maybe you need to come and you need to have a one-on-one today. You need to have a one-on-one with the, with the healer. The one who's able to heal marriages. Maybe your marriage isn't what it was 10 or 15 years ago. And there's been an offense and Jesus is saying, Hey, today I want to restore that thing. Through forgiveness. Maybe it's a father and mother you haven't called or talked to in years or a brother or a sister, a co-worker who has offended you. And Jesus is saying, right here, right now, today, the first Sunday of May, I want to do a work of forgiveness in this place. And we're going to take it two ways. Come on, sister, it's okay. Will somebody go to her, please? I'm going to ask the prayer warriors, those who want the ushers or not the ushers, but those who pray at the altar, or altar workers. I'm going to ask you to come on this side, to come on this side over here. And on this side, I'm going to leave this open for the ones who say, I need a one-on-one today. I need a Jesus one-on-one right now to forgive So I'm going to open up the altars. Don't delay. Don't wait. Don't delay. That wound has been enough. Enough is enough. And today Jesus will not disappoint you. He will not disappoint you. One-on-ones with him here. And if you need prayer, we got people on this side. Just come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Do your work like only you can do. Restore and heal marriages. 
no band-aids just you Jesus no type of rub is going to do this only Jesus let's lift our hands to him the rest of you at the altar just keep praying let's lift our hands to him Father, we're your students today. And God, maybe today I'm not, we're not, someone here is not willing to take the first step. You can forgive them for their offenses. Forgiving them means you have forgiven that person. But Jesus wants to work today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. others because you first forgave us thank you that when we were yet sinners lost in our sin hurting people you came to deliver us you came to forgive us oh God for we drove the nails in your hands and on your feet and we drove the spear through your side and we placed a crown of thorns upon your head our sin did that and you said Raphael I forgive you Jamie I forgive you Matthew I forgive you Jeremy I forgive you Mary, I forgive you. Jessica, you're forgiven. Stephanie, you're forgiven. John, you're forgiven. 
Hey, Ray, you're forgiven. Brian, you're forgiven. Mark, this blood right here is for you. You're forgiven. Listen, there's some of you in here that God paid the price, but you're still holding yourself hostage. You're still holding yourself hostage, saying, I do not deserve this precious forgiveness that you talk about. If you only knew me, and you need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself for what you have done. And this is not self-righteousness. The Spirit of God is saying to you, I have forgiven you. Jesus has forgiven you. So who are you to say that you're not forgiven? But God gave His best for you. So if you're here today and you know that I'm speaking to you. Just take a moment wherever you are. To say, I know I am forgiven. Jesus, thank you for forgiveness. And perhaps you're here and you have not asked Jesus to forgive you. That's another step to take. You know that your sin has separated you from a holy God. But the love of God is available to you today. If that's you, just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Make me clean. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for your spirit moving, touching hearts and minds, oh God. Father, I pray for every, everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray, oh God, that you give us this, this strength by your spirit to step out and forgive those that have offended us. Oh God, and for those that need to receive your forgiveness. Oh God, may we receive that today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be mindful of those that are still praying at the altars. You may remain here and you may pray and have a wonderful rest of your week. God bless you.